0: Again, that's Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 19b through 31. Luke writes, For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here? For this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priest. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. and he spoke and disputed against Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. May God add his blessings to the reading and the hearing of his inspired, infallible, holy word, and may his truths be written on our hearts. Let us go to God in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we gather this morning and we're going to pick up where we left off two weeks ago. But before we do that, I want to catch everybody up to speed because things happen in two weeks. We forget things in two weeks. We forget where we were. And simply, in fact, when we walk through a doorway, there's special magnets that just zap our memory. Uh, You know, you thought you were going in some place and you forgot why you went in that room. Um, Studies actually show that that's a real thing. Not that there's magnets, but that's a real thing. When you make a transition from one room to another, your your brain just wipes clean. And so if you're trying to remember something going into the next room, just repeat it to yourself over and over as you walk through the doorway and you will be all right. But where we were two weeks ago is we were at the point of Saul's conversion. Now, we remember who Saul is and was, and as we heard the scripture today, he wreaked havoc on the church in Jerusalem. Saul, a Pharisee, born a Roman citizen from Tarsus, a degree of a lawyer, he would go and he would convince others to bring false testimony against Stephen and approve of his execution leading to the persecution of the early church. He would go to houses dragging men and women out who professed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it was then after he had cleaned up Jerusalem to the best of his abilities, he went to the Sanhedrin council and asked the chief priest if he could have extradition papers for any Christian he found in Damascus. And he received those and it was on his way to Damascus that the Lord would bring him to the ground and shine a great light upon him. The Lord he would see, and he would hear from asking why he is persecuting him, and three days later, Ananias would show up with him and the other disciples and pray for him, and like scales fell from his eyes, he confessed Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and would be baptized, and that is where we left Saul now. The reason Saul's conversion is important to us as Christians is because we also refer to Saul later as Paul the Apostle. And Paul the Apostle would end up writing letters to churches that he started or others started, bringing them a a clearer understanding of Christianity and how this life is to work. And he would. Write a majority of the New Testament. So, understanding who Paul is and who Paul was is very important for us as Christians. Now, we know Saul is this guy wreaking havoc as a persecutor and an enemy of the church. And two weeks ago, we saw his conversion, a dramatic conversion at that now not all of us have had a conversion like saul not all of us have been knocked to our knees by a great light and blinded for three days requiring a prayer of healing for us to come to faith some of us it was through the long prayers of a grandmother or a mother or a father that prayed for us all through our lives as we were driving on to sin that we thought promised us joy in life. For others, we were raised in this church, and when we hear the stories like in Exodus of how they talked about the rite of Passover and what it meant for that salvation, some of us grew up in the church hearing that from a very early age, and we were blessed by God that he brought us to faith that way. Now, there's no greater way of conversion, one or the other, but conversion happens for every person. And for Saul, we see what happened to him, and now we get to see what happens next. Saul's converted, he's baptized. So what? In the scriptures today, we see what changed with Saul. We see and we can expect ourselves that upon our conversion or a conversion of another person to faith in Christ Jesus, that the way they relate in three different ways change. The way a a new convert relates to God is different than it was before. The way a new convert relates to the church is different than it was before. And the way a convert relates to the world is different than it was before. And here we see all of those lifted up in Saul upon his conversion. That there are three new fruits that he experiences in his life, his new life in Christ. John Stott, he'll write in his commentary on the book of Acts that if, we, if these three new relationships, new ways of relating these three fruits, if we don't see them or they don't exist in a professed in a, in a professed convert life, then we in good reason can question the reality of their conversion. So when Saul is converted, we see that he becomes a disciple. We see that he becomes a brother in Christ. And we see that he becomes a witness to the world. The first fruit we see in Saul's conversion is that he receives this new title of disciple. Now I'm using the word disciple to mean all those who have faith in Christ, not to mean the 12 that gathered with Jesus, but disciple is one who follows Jesus. It's the new way he relates to God. Once a rebel and an enemy of God, sinful and deserving of death, Now, with his faith in Christ, he's a disciple. It's how he relates to God. Now, it's important for us to understand what what it means to be a disciple. Some little thing that Jesus said after he was resurrected from the dead when he gathered with his apostles, we find it in Matthew 28 at the very end of the chapter. It's the very last thing he says in, in this gospel. So as converts, as believers in Christ, as born-again Christians, we are all commissioned, all called, all exhorted to go to the world to make disciples of all nations. So it's best we really understand what it is to be a disciple. So if we know what a disciple is, therefore, then we know how to make one. So a disciple is the calling. A standard definition, a working one we can go with, would be someone who learns from Jesus in order to live like Jesus. A disciple is someone who learns from Jesus in order to live like Jesus. And we see in Saul, after his conversion, in verse 23, exactly what happens. He, he was converted. He preached in the synagogues. And then it says in verse 23, when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Now, we know these many days that are referred to here in Acts. We can go and take against Paul's own account of what happened upon his conversion from his letter to Galatians. And in the first chapter there, he's, he's telling the church in Galatia, that he didn't receive the gospel from anyone else. He didn't go sit at the feet of Peter. He didn't go to the apostles. He didn't go to the church to automatically learn it, but that the gospel he received, he received directly from Jesus. And in doing so, he says in verse 17 of chapter 1, Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, that is Peter, and remained with him 15 days. What Acts says, and after a few days, is three years. Saul went to Arabia for three years to learn from Jesus in order to live like Jesus. Now, there's many different rationales, and we can't pinpoint one as the best as to why Saul was gone for three years. Some say it's in order to match up that of the apostles that were with Jesus in his earthly ministry for three years in which they learned at his very feet. Others in modern day say it's a prime example of exactly how long seminary should be for someone in order to go and preach at a church. But what none of them say is that after three years, he finished his learning. He did not complete his full understanding of Jesus after three years. See, we are born again, and we're given a new heart. But just like that of a newborn baby, God puts us through sanctification, a process of being made holy. We're born again with a new heart to grow towards holiness, but it won't be until glorification that we reach it. And so we spend our lives being made holy, learning from Jesus every step of the way, this grace in process. And here Saul is, he becomes a disciple, a lifelong learner at the feet of Jesus Christ. And folks, we cannot be a disciple if all we have is a weekend commitment. I mean, Ruth was up here and she's stealing my sermon. I didn't know if she saw my notes this week. (laughs) Paul went and spent time alone with Jesus to learn from him and then would go to the apostles and also double-check everything that he had learned with them to verify what he had, and he would spend the rest of his life learning from Jesus. Folks, if all we do is spend an hour each week here learning from Jesus, then what's true is this, that we love other things more than we love Jesus. If we sit at the feet of the world rather than at the feet of Jesus. Now, we don't have to go travel off to be alone in Arabia for three years to learn from Jesus. We live in 2019. You have with you accessible the very word of God, revealing his nature and character. We have the very words of Jesus and his teachings throughout four gospels. And then we also have the apostles and their letters and the revelation of the application of the gospel ministry towards the church and the world and how to live. It is all here at our fingertips. We have it. We can read it every day. In fact, if we don't like books, we have technology, and we all have smartphones now, and we have the Bible downloaded, uploaded. We get pictures of it. We can have it reminded to us. We can plug it into our ears, tune it on to TV. We have access to God's Word and to be able to learn from Jesus, unlike any else ever in history. We can do it at our own convenience. But if we aren't doing it, if we aren't going into his word and learning from Jesus' words himself, well, I dare say we're not a disciple then. I encourage you to pick up this word. You may say, well, pastor, I've read through the Bible all the way. I'm good. Well, remember, no one said Paul Saul was done learning from Christ. In fact, I dare you to find someone who has read through Scripture all the way more than once. There's several of them here in our congregation. They're not boasting about it, but if you go and ask some people you might think of, you'll be surprised to find them. And when you ask them, well, why did you read it a second time or a third? or a fourth, or a fifth, or a sixth, or a seventh. They'll tell you that every time they read it, God opens their eyes to read and hear something new. And they said, that wasn't there before, but God's word is unchanging. They read it the first time, but their eyes weren't open to it until the seventh time. Because learning from Jesus can't be completed in three years. It takes a full lifetime, and it takes a whole lot of grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. Folks, conversion brings a commitment to learn from Jesus. The second fruit that is born out of conversion that we see happen with Saul is that the way he relates to the church is he is now a brother in Christ. Saul went from an enemy of the church, a persecutor of Christians, a worker of Satan, to a brother in Christ upon his faith in Jesus. How he related completely changed. It was a 180 degrees difference than it was previously. We see it in the scriptures that the disciples, those who believed, said, we're afraid of this man. Isn't he the one who is coming here to bind us up and take us back to Jerusalem? Even the apostles did not believe that he was a disciple because they feared him and knew the havoc he wreaked on the church. As a pastor, this is one that I often run into when when I'm flying on a plane or I'm out to dinner and, and someone's finds out I'm a pastor, and they say, oh, well, I'm a Christian, and I begin asking them where they go to church. Oh, I don't really have a church home, pastor. You know, it's, you know, churches are full of hypocrites and and such, and well, I, I just believe I can do this whole thing all by myself. Folks, we were made to be in community with one another. By Jesus' precious blood that we were adopted by Christ as sons and daughters of the God most High, and we were granted a new family. If you were adopted by God as a son or a daughter, and I'm adopted by God as one of His sons, then that makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. Ah, family's hard. It's messy. but you know what? We're called to be with each other. We're called to be in fellowship. What we find in Scripture over and over isn't an excuse to avoid being in community with one another, but an encouraging to go and be in community with one another, to encourage one another in the faith, to correct in the faith, to build up the body of Christ. See, these relationships matter. We see it in Saul's own conversion. We see it here in verse 19 that this is exactly what happened with him. And it says, for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And and he went from being an enemy to such a brother in Christ. When plots to kill Saul emerged, his new brothers and sisters in Christ watched out for him and lowered him out of the city in a basket. Folks, if he was off by himself, there's not a soul in the world that would have cared about Saul. But rather, because he was in community, he had brothers and sisters of faith who were looking out and caring for him and his needs. And it would be the same when he goes to Jerusalem, when he connects with the apostles there, and he's going in and out and preaching the word of God, when plots to kill him once again come around and they find out about them. Brothers and sisters in Christ, get him out of Jerusalem so that he may be safe, because God has chosen him to go and reach the Gentiles because he is a brother in christ and that is what we do for one another when we are on hard times we go and step up and take care of one another just as you went and stepped up to take care of pastor james upon his retirement and battling his illness that's what it means to be a brother or sister in christ but it takes being in community with each other I'll tell you this. We also read this about Saul's conversion. After he was converted and he went to be with the disciples in Damascus, they were like, wait a second, this is Saul. He's going to kill us. We don't trust him. We heard it from the apostles. We don't trust that he's a disciple. And it took people within the church, another brother in Christ in Ananias and another brother in Barnabas to go and welcome and risk their status to be with Saul and bring him into the church. The welcome he received once he was with another brother was completely different than the one he received when he was all alone. We need more Ananiases and Barnabases within the church. Think about it. Imagine for yourself that you are going and visiting a new church. You've done it. You've been there. Think about going all by yourself. And now it's meet and greet time. People are polite. They'll smile. They'll shake your hand. Maybe even ask your name. But then time will continue to pass and you will see the deep and rich conversation others are having. Yet you stand there feeling alone. We're not as friendly as we think we are. Now think about going and visiting a church that your friend has asked you to come with them and they're saving you a seat. The interactions you have with other brothers and sisters within that fellowship completely changes. Conversations get deeper and longer. The smiles and the handshakes go from being just a pleasant gesture to really a genuine wanting to get to know you because you are with someone else who's in this fellowship. It happened to Saul. Because Ananias and Barnabas were there, Saul was welcomed into the church as brothers and sisters in Christ. Even though someone's past, or they're just someone we don't know, we've got to get better at how we welcome them. We need more of us to step out, to go and find our brothers and sisters in Christ who aren't part of a fellowship and saying, I'll save you a seat. I'll be here for you. Extend the welcome to them. Saul went from a feared enemy to a brother in Christ. And because of the welcome he would receive and this distinction, he would say there is none as he would write to the church in Corinth, that there is neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, but we are all one in Christ Jesus. Because he found fellowship as a brother in Christ. Finally, what we see lifted up in Paul's conversion, Saul's conversion, is that the way he relates to the world, one, as a witness to Jesus, as the Christ, the Son of God. We see it, we pick it up here in verse 20. It, it says, And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all that heard him said, Is this not the man who wreaked havoc in Jerusalem? For those who called upon the name. But Saul increased all the more in strength. And confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus. By proving Jesus was the Christ. And then the same would go on when he was in Jerusalem. There once he got to meet Cephas and be with James. He would go in and out of hanging out with them. But he would go and boldly preach. And run into the Hellenists. And tell them of their need of a savior. Of their inability to save themselves. And that this one man did raise from the dead. His name is Jesus. See, Paul became a witness to the world. But the first place we'll notice that he went back to witness to were the places he was most familiar. Saul didn't try and run off and, and go preach in Arabia or go to far off land immediately. Rather, Saul went into the synagogues where he was a Pharisee, where he knew the people and how they thought and understand because he could relate to them and say, I once was you. I once denied Jesus, but Jesus is the Son of God. I can prove to you that Jesus is the Christ. And he would preach and do so, even though he knew it would bring persecution upon him. And then in Jerusalem, it would be the Hellenists of which, if we remember, Saul is a Roman citizen. And Saul would talk to them about the need for a savior and about the risen Christ. In both cases, his preaching, how bold it was, a witness to the world led to his persecution. Plots to kill him began to form, but it did not cause him to waver. Saul continued his witness. He would witness, and he would plant churches. He would grow up others to go and witness. And so we see in Saul's conversion that upon doing so, he bears fruit as a disciple. He bears fruit as a brother. He bears fruit as a witness to the world. The same is said for all those who are converted to faith in Christ Jesus. That we are called to learn from him all the days of our lives. We're called to be in community, to encourage and be encouraged with others in Christ. And we are called to share the good news that Christ has saved us from our sins. The sins we bought into because they promised us life and joy but all they do is lead us to death and God displayed his love while we were yet sinners when Christ died on the cross shedding his blood as an atonement for our sin taking our place on the cross satisfying God's wrath and three days later being raised from the dead proving Jesus has victory over sin and death. And now, now we can say, all we know is grace. Sweet, amazing grace. Amen.